Hello. On behalf of the Independent Research Forum, welcome to this IRF podcast. I'm David Osman, and with me today is Charles Hess of Inferential Focus. Our subject for this podcast is China's development plans for 2021 to 2035. The Independent Research Forum promotes an extensive range of the best independent research providers from around the world, some stock pickers, some sector specific, some country specific, many global, and all are investment related. Today, we live in a world of 24-7 news and views, social media, and big data. For many people, there is a danger of information overload. There is a need to sort the wheat from the chaff. So I'm particularly pleased that we're joined today by Charles Hess, who is a founder and managing partner of Inferential Focus. Charles Hess developed the technique of inference reading while earning his degree in political science at the University of Rochester. By reading outside his field of study, Charles found that he was able to create connections and piece together a more realistic perspective of world economic, political and social events. 40 years ago, in 1980, as a leader in the field of inferential reading, Charles helped to found Inferential Focus. Since then, Inferential Focus has utilised the discipline of inference reading to help their clients identify and understand various changes before they were well recognised in the markets. Their methodology focuses on facts, events and anomalies while eliminating all commentary and opinion, something that has become even more important in a time of talking heads and fake news. This discipline is designed to filter out the noise of insignificant changes, thereby enabling their clients to distinguish between incidental events and those major turning points that will offer a significant competitive advantage for their business. Inferential Focus has a broad range of clients, both corporate, including retailers, luxury product producers, financial institutions, advertising agencies, and other companies, as well as individual investors. As such, Inferential Focus has a wide-ranging view of the corporate environment, thereby enabling them to cover and try to identify wherever significant change is occurring. Charles, welcome. First of all, let's begin with a brief introduction to the Inferential Focus Service, your organization, and some of your notable achievements. Uh, thank you, David. Yeah, Inferential Focus, as you mentioned, I, I helped found back in 1980, and we've been, we've been doing one thing uh, since then, and that is identifying new dynamics in the world early. And those fall within uh, a numerous uh, arenas, as you, as you implied, geopolitics, technology changes, consumer-related changes. And we've actually used a, a, a technique, a discipline, which, um, as you also implied, is probably more necessary now than, than even before. But it's a, it's, it's a discipline, actually, that medicine has been using uh, effectively to diagnose illness. And so we're basically diagnosing changes in the world the way a doctor tries to diagnose early changes in a patient. 
And that is a discipline of reading over 300 and some odd trade journals and newspapers, online sources, and using this discipline of excluding over 90% of what's published, which is commentary, opinion, and focusing instead on important facts, which tend to be, in some cases, anomalous, and most importantly, events. So there is a very strict discipline in our reading of excluding literally 90% of what's published and focusing on significant, especially events, which tell us that something's going on that may not be recognized yet. So in doing that, we've been, uh, we've been successful over, over the years in serving those institutional investor clients and corporations and some government agencies with some of the major changes. The last probably big one globally was you know what we called the housing earthquake and the economic tsunami. We called it that in 2005, three years before it erupted and spread throughout the world. But there are much narrower, uh, smaller changes that we've identified. You know, the streaming deluge, as we called it, which now in our quarantined existence uh, has become very, very important. Things like a new consumer value hierarchy, which we identified coming out of the Great Recession in 2009, which was very helpful in identifying where consumers were buying and likely to. And things like what we call the Great Restructuring back in 2013, which spread from retail to video distribution, to music, to the financial industry, to advertising, to audio, autos, and and many, many, many other changes, you know, very narrow and some very, very broad. So I'm glad to be with you today. Over the past four decades, China has been becoming more and more important. And I wondered from your inferential reading, how is, do you see China planning to come out of the COVID-19 pandemic, uh, particularly in 2021? What do you expect? Well, we have been looking at changes in China for very many years. And uh, from the events and the actions that the Chinese are taking now in the middle of the pandemic and they're coming out of it, it strikes us that this is a very, very, very significant turning point for them. Uh, so we've been looking at something called the China Dream, which is what President Xi established as one of their objectives, uh, which was basically the China Dream being uh, resurrecting China to the status and the power that they occupied all the way back in the mid-1800s when they were the largest economy in the world. One-third of GDP was in China. And then from there, you know, descending vis-a-vis -vis Europe and the United States, but a real hope and strategy by Xi to resurrect that position. And so the China dream was put in place uh, in 2012, we've now see a real indication that with a number of the very important Communist Party meetings, one of which that just ended in the end of October, uh, other ones that are coming up and over the next year, establishing what they have indicated is what they call the new development pattern, which is basically assuming that their growth is going to be slower than it had been way back in the 2015 period when they were growing at 10 or 12 percent, 
Uh, they haven't come up with the absolute number yet, but they're going to grow slower. But what they identify as developing more aggressively, part of that is developing what they've called new infrastructure. So as the West and the United States may be looking to create an infrastructure stimulus program, which is roads and bridges and maybe some transit, the Chinese are on to new infrastructure, which includes 5G, artificial intelligence, the industrial internet, ultra high voltage grids, fintech for sure, establishing their place in semiconductors, moving to smart medicine. So those are all part of new infrastructure. And their ultimate goal is to take those technologies and apply them to new ways of operating in a whole series of industries, which they call uh, new retail, new communications with 5G, uh, new finance, which is going to be driven by fintech, new mobility. They have already announced no no new uh, gasoline-powered automobiles are going to be sold in China in five years. Um, I think very importantly, which tends to not get focused much, is new manufacturing using the internet, data analysis, et cetera, and some of the 5G technologies like uh, autonomous vehicles, uh, IoT, Internet of Things. So we think that this is a very, very significant shift for them. They are positioning for it right now in the Communist Party. And I think their goal is to be premier, if not dominant, in many of those technologies and then affect the industries that I that I mentioned, creating a new way of operating for those industries. So very different than uh, you know, the last 40 years of manufacturing inexpensively and exporting aggressively. This is a, a new strategy which the West is going to confront uh, pretty quickly. And can I ask more about the, the international side of the China dream? How do you see that impacting on the United States and other Western economies? Yeah, well, again, obviously, what I just mentioned, the, uh, you know, the, the part of the China dream was a real emphasis. This is five or six years ago on innovation. So they were moving well before the pandemic to really fund and encourage their companies to become the innovators in many industries. And those are inherent in the technologies that I just mentioned. I think it's uh, it's just very interesting when the pandemic hit in Wuhan and China. You know, they had three years before announced that artificial intelligence was, of course, a key focus for them. And they'd identified three of the Chinese companies, I'm sorry, four, and to focus on specific aspects of AI application. So when Wuhan got infected by the virus, uh, a company called iFlyTech ended up going to Wuhan and using their artificial intelligence for medicine. They had been identified as the medical focus for AI application. And within days, they were monitoring and testing uh, over a million people a day uh, in Wuhan for the virus using AI. You know, that tends to get lost in all of the activity going on, but it's just an example 
of where they're going to spearhead, you know, new medicine, as I mentioned, and all those industries that are very likely to get shifted in terms of what needs to be implemented to compete, you know, very inexpensive and hardly no labor in manufacturing in their warehouses. Uh, JD is now operating, you know, five times as many warehouses as Amazon does globally. And in many cases, they have no people in the warehouses. So again, internationally, that's going to be a big competitive challenge. Now, an important part of the China dream is, uh, you were saying, the new financial architecture. And I wonder how that is impacting on the current problems with respect to the Ant Group IPO. Yeah, it's a good question. Um, again, we've been following what what we call the new financial architecture coming out of China. And some of the actions implicit in the Ant IPO, which got postponed, if not um, sidetracked for now. And that was really re-emphasizing their own financial markets and capital raising markets which they've been doing, and Ant was anticipated to be the largest IPO. This was going to be in Shanghai and Hong Kong. Uh, Alibaba has raised $13 billion through the Chinese markets. Uh, JD, NetEase, uh, ZTO, even some American companies have raised capital in Chinese markets. So that's part of the new financial architecture, is to create their own markets as capital raising, which potentially de-emphasizes New York, London, you know, and the German markets. The other part of it, which really relates to Ant, is they are now establishing, and this is a new development for them, what they've called the digital transaction mechanism. So they've got a national digital trading mechanism and a payment mechanism that they're establishing. And that is potentially either in parallel to something like Alipay or WeChat Pay, which is ubiquitous in China and increasingly in Southeast Asia. And so, you know, Ant has grown dramatically on the heels of Alipay into loans and investments and other financial mechanisms. But now the Chinese government has said, we want a national electronic payment system with it national clearing system around the SWIFT system of the West and, a, and away from American banks. So that's all part of their new financial architecture. And so the, the drama around the Ant IPO was, was very interesting, but it was also very consistent with what, you know, they've illustrated their interest is in creating their own financial institutions, and direction, et cetera. Charles, thank you for this most interesting insight into the service that's provided by Inferential Focus. With more time, it would be interesting to discuss some more of the wide range of topics that Inferential Focus currently has under discussion, ranging from rethinking work and office real estate and retail 2020 and beyond, to capital market distortions and the battle for consumer time, to name just a few of their current topics. The inferential focus categories of coverage range from economy in general 
and international to energy and resources, industry, social and consumer, and technology. The Independent Research Forum is offering a one-month free trial to the Inferential Focus Service and can provide details of how to subscribe to their full service. More information is available on request from the Independent Research Forum. Thank you for listening to this IRF podcast with Charles Hess, Managing Partner of Inferential Focus. Thank you.